Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I am your host, Doris Hansen, and we are grateful that you decided to share some of your evening with us again tonight. We do have an interesting, and it's sometime, uh, sometimes a very painful topic that we're going to be discussing tonight. But first, we need to let you know that tonight's show has been pre-recorded. We're going to be taking the full hour for our discussion, so there won't be any uh, call, telephone call-in time like we normally have at the uh, last half of the show. But if you do have comments or questions about our discussion, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear about them. You can email them to us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com or you can call us next week uh, when we do another live show and we uh, can answer your questions or respond to your comments at that time. I'd also like to let our viewers know that in the Brigham, at least those in the Brigham City area, that in two weeks from Sunday on August 4th, um, I have been asked to come and share during the morning service. Uh, at that time, I hope to see old friends uh, while I'm there and perhaps new friends as well, make new friends. That's August 4th. Uh, during the Mormon service, morning service, not the Mormon, <laughs> good heavens, and, but we might be talking about the Mormons, so anyway, come and see us, I'd love to meet you and talk with you at that time, and I'd also like to remind you that uh, in regards to tonight's discussion, our conversation includes all of Mormonism, um, that includes all the factions of the Mormon faith, the polygamists as well as the uh, LDS, and uh, all the other offshoots that embrace the basic Mormon doctrine and procedures. Our guests for tonight's show have been here before, and it's always a pleasure and such fun to have them back. They're former Mormon church members themselves, parents of two of the members of the Adams Road Band, uh, and they have also been on our show several times as well. So I would like to introduce our guests for tonight, uh, Lynn and Michael Wilder. Thanks for coming back. It's great to be here again, Doris. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of fun. We always have a good time. We do. We're Doris. And, and I hope sure. we leave a footprint in, yes. in somebody's uh, experience. So, for, but first of all, let's, Lynn, you have a book that's going to be released sometime next month. So would you tell us about that? I do. August 20th, the book is Unveiling Grace, the same name as the DVD how we found our way out of the mormon church and it is the story of the wilder family and adams road band mm -hmm. and how we found our way out of the mormon church into the arms of the god of grace wow and we are going to be um interviewing lynn a little bit later on this summer about that book. After the book is released, she'll be on our show again, and we're going to do a book review of, about that. So uh, we look forward to that, and c congratulations on the book. And uh, it's, a, it's good. I've read the... <laughs> so It's God's thing, Doris. <laughs> this wasn't my idea. As they say, it, it, it's the good the bad and the ugly. The good, the bad, it, it and the ugly. Everything. Mm -hmm. so. And there is that in everybody's story yes. when, when they yes. leave, that's for sure. You know, we asked the Wilders to be our guests again and share some 
of, of what they and their family experienced as they exited uh, from the Mormon church. And we want to discuss how this culture treats uh, those who decide that they can no longer believe in the religious doctrine of Mormonism. This includes every spin-off and polygamy group that embraces Mormon doctrine because every group that is based on Mormonism does practice the shunning technique on those who decide to leave. Like I said at the beginning, John chapter 7 verse 43 says, thus the people were divided because of Jesus. The truth about Jesus, the person of Jesus, the work of Jesus Christ divides people. It separates loved ones. It divides family. It can even divide nations. And John 7:43 warns us that people are and will be divided because of Jesus. It was true in Jesus' day, and it's certainly true today. Some people see Jesus as only a prophet, or as Michael the archangel, or as our brother and savior. Some people see him as Satan's brother. As uh, Some see him as savior, but not God Almighty, the eternal God. And many people believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, but we are still required to work in order to benefit from his sacrifice. And then there's others who see Jesus as a myth, barely worth a second glance. Others believe all of what the Bible teaches about him and that he paid for every single sin of every believer and that he is the only way to the Father and eternal life is a gift of grace with no works attached. There's no doubt that Jesus divides people. People in the Utah culture are divided, and they're born and bred to believe a certain way about Jesus. But there are thousands of people who've discovered what uh, they've been taught is untrue and unbiblical, so they walk away from the faith of their Mormon heritage, and when that happens, all hell often breaks loose and their lives become a battleground. There is pernicious and silent doctrine of shunning, which is an integral reaction that this culture breeds and is used against those who choose to act upon their free agency. Polygamists do it, and so do the Mormons. It's a practice handed down since Joseph Smith invented Mormonism. When the Wilder family left the Mormon church, they experienced some hard battles in the process, battles that might have been avoided. Our culture says that everyone has to worship, has the right to worship God the way they choose, but they sure don't practice that belief. We'll hear some of their stories as well as other experiences on our show tonight, and Hap and, and I hope that by talking about these things, there will be a greater awareness of this blemish on Mormon society. There's always a fear attached to the prospect of leaving a Mormons, uh, especially the Mormon and the polygamists, the person, their religion, their family heritage, and most of the polygamy groups warn members. This is what most of the polygamists will say. They warn members uh, that if they leave, they'll have perpetual poverty or pain or prostitution or drug or alcohol addiction, and they terrify them with other threats of what will happen in their life if they leave. And those threats often scare people away from even thinking about leaving. The Bible deals with a situation like that, and you, Lynn, mentioned that to me in John chapter 9. Would you share that scripture and, and your thoughts on that? We were in Denver last Sunday at a Sunday school class, and this was the scripture, and I was greatly impacted by this. And we'll um, be putting that up on the screen as you read it. This is the story of the blind man when he'd been blind from birth, and Christ asked, put mud in his eyes and then told him to go wash at the pool of Siloam. And when he did, he immediately saw. 
And then, of course, he's telling everybody he's so excited. Look what Jesus, you know. He, he eventually figured out it was Jesus, and he started telling people about it. Well, the Pharisees weren't happy about it, mm -hmm. so they pulled him in in front of them, and then they pulled his parents in, trying to figure out the truth. It says they did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked him? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it now that he can see? Now, we know he is our son. Okay, they answered the first question. Yes, he's our son, the parents answered. And we know that he was born blind. So they answered the second question. But how he can see or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> you think the parents didn't know? You think the blind man wasn't telling everybody in sight? It says he was it of age, was. which means mm -hmm. he might have been as young as 13. Um, this man was telling everybody. The parents knew mm -hmm. that they were standing in front of the Pharisees and they were afraid. Let's read on. It says, ask him. He is of age. He'll speak for himself. So we're going to let the son get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> rather than let the parents get in right. trouble. His parents said this was because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Yes. How many times in Mormonism do people go in front of their leaders and not tell the whole truth because they're afraid of the Mormon leaders? Right who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. And See, putting out of the synagogue is like being excommunicated in the Mormon culture. Right. Jews excommunicated, mm -hmm. Catholics excommunicate, Mormons excommunicate, and it's a means of fear and mm -hmm. control. Mm -hmm. And how interesting, though, that the blind man was more than happy to tell the truth regardless of the consequences, but his parents didn't want to be put out of the culture, and so they were more interested in staying within the culture than they were telling the truth or mm -hmm. even acknowledging the truth. And they I knew the truth, and that's the whole Mormons. thing. They knew the truth, but they were afraid to act upon it. Yes. That's true of the Mormon culture, I agree. Mm -hmm. And Jesus opened the blind eye, just like he opens the blind eyes, spiritual blind eyes of you folks and of, of me and of everyone who becomes Christian. But Same I was thing. afraid too in the beginning. I was much like these parents. Mm -hmm. I, the blind man's life changed in an instant and he accepted it, took salvation and was grateful. The parents didn't want to change. Yeah. They yeah. don't want to change because of what they're afraid that will come against them. And mm -hmm. they're afraid their lives will have mm -hmm. to change. They're, they're afraid their life will have to change. And they were afraid of, of their friends, their neighbors, mm -hmm. uh, their relatives, the, the leadership, the, the, the religious leadership of the Jewish community. Mm -hmm. Well, what specific fears accompanied you when you were facing your decision to leave? Well, it was... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, when... God was speaking to us, and, and he was drawing us out, and we were um, seeing huge conflicts 
and doctrinal differences between the Bible and Mormon doctrine. And a lot of people get a feeling and says, well, your son ran in this problem and he, you know, he left the, the LDS church, so we just followed him. And that's not true. You know, he left, he went back to Florida, and we were still there doing our responsibilities, still attending sacrament meetings, still doing all the other things we're supposed to be doing. In fact, it says in the book that it was 26 months after Micah got sent home from his mission that you and I gave up our membership right. in the church. So, so it was two years, over two it years? Was, it was right, mm -hmm. right. Wow. So when we were coming out, and again, you start seeing the differences and you start, I remember being in high priest class and uh, we would uh, you know, talk about things and I would whisper, you know, they would, they would make a, a, a doctrinal differences and, uh, you know, about a, a particular thing. And one of the classes I, I remember, they were talking about how you are truly saved. And there's a high priest class and they were talking about going through the temple, this and this and this and this, and you have to do this mm -hmm. to be saved, okay? And um, uh, I, I leaned over to a, another high priest next to me at the end of class, and um, uh, he had a particular high calling. And uh, I said, you think Mother Teresa has to do this? <laughs> Implying going through the temple endowment and getting things. Uh -huh. And he kind of smiled and went back and says, I think she's already there. Oh my goodness. So it's it's interesting. So but if but, they're the but only the true doctrine, church, you know, from the to. from everybody else in the class, I mean, this what you have to do and if you fall out of this procedure, yeah. then you're you're not worthy. Okay? That's it's right. just like we, you know, we can get an invitation from friends. We still have some friends that are LDS. We don't interact the way we used to, mm -hmm. but they'll send us uh, an invitation to uh, attend their daughter's, let's say, wedding at the temple. But we can't go to the temple, so it's an invitation to the reception. And you uh -huh. kind of think that, you know, that's really offensive. It is. When you, when you really think about that. When it you is. send this out, when Mormons send this out to family members who can't attend the temple uh, for their wedding, it's just like, well, you know, if you would get your life together and be worthy, then you could you, be here. You could huh? attend he mm -hmm. here. So, so, you know, this transition, uh, was 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 hard, and mm -hmm. we started seeing uh, the the feelings. You know, I mean, it affected Lynn greatly in her coming out. Um, so, was most of your shunning experience by neighbors or coworkers or relative, uh, friends? Where did you experience the 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 burden, the heaviest shunning? Shunning was probably from all of those places, except my coworkers at BYU didn't seem to know what had happened. Um, but n none of those places matter as much as the family. The hardest part for me when Micah chose the Christ of the Bible was that he had two other brothers who had served missions and they were strongly dug into the Mormon church. And that set up, yeah. just like the Bible says, division immediately in a yeah. family. Yeah. Did mm -hmm. it put you on the alert though for, I mean, did you put your walls up against the, the biblical doctrine of, that Micah had learned? Or did it put you on the alert to look for, for truth maybe outside of the Mormon faith. <laughs> well, I enjoyed being a Mormon. I did not want to come out of the LDS faith. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had a nice home in Alpine. We had many friends. 
and, and again, we still have some friends, but again, that relationship is not the same. But uh, uh, when we were coming out, you know, people would start asking questions. Mm -hmm. And uh, they would ask questions about Micah. He says, we heard this, that he did something wrong. He says, he didn't do anything wrong. He just testified of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they would try to associate. Well, I mean, he had to do something wrong. He says, no, he just, he just doesn't believe in the Mormon doctrine anymore through Joseph Smith. But uh, he didn't do anything wrong. He still obeyed all the rules and regulations of the LDS Church. Uh, his, his faith changed. His, his, his belief changed slightly to focus more on Jesus and then on Joseph Smith. And, you know, people had a hard time mm -hmm. uh, because they, kept, they keep thinking that uh, when, when you come out of the LDS Church, uh, you, you just you couldn't live the standards. You've committed a great there's sin. There's some morals. There, there's something about it. And people also told me, you know, when we were coming out, uh, they would write and they would say, you know, Mike, you're making a big mistake. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I'm secure in Christ. And he says, well, you, you know, no. Yeah. You, you know, you're you're not. In other words, you're you're going to the opposite place. And I had this one guy tell me. He says you will beg to come back to the church in five years after hmm. you leave. How well, many years been, has it been? It's been more than five years. You haven't begged yet. I'm not begging and I will not beg <laughs> and I will not, not come back because I, I would be lying to myself and I would be lying to God. Amen. Okay. Yeah. God knows the LDS church is not true. I know it's not true. Yeah. And anybody who comes out of the Mormon belief knows it's not true and you can't deny that. You can't. You just can't. Absolutely. Uh, you can live a lie. And stay well, in. You can pretend, yeah. You can pretend. And we know people that's done that, too. Now, would you say that shunning is the correct word that we're using here in our conversation? Or would you say the word alienation or ostracized would be a, a better word or all of the above? <laughs> I would say all of the above, depending on the person in the situation, probably, yes. Definitely it is a phenomenon. Mm -hmm. Were you shocked when it started? When, or would you, did you expect it? My daughter, um, interesting, was Katie was still in high school, and so as Micah's friends started coming off of their Florida missions and coming back to Utah, they started coming to our house to visit us, almost as if Micah was kind of a phenomenon, and they <laughs> wanted to figure out what was going on. Um, and Katie said that was the first time she'd ever heard the word apostate and occult. Mm. That the rumors from his mission was that he got home, sent home three weeks early because he was an apostate from the church. Now, remember, all he did was stand in front of 60 missionaries and profess the Christ of the Bible. Right. right. And the second thing was that he joined a cult. And Katie said, I remember looking at the missionary and saying, Christianity's a cult? <laughs> Good question. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And Katie's your daughter. She's for the, our viewers. Yes, who, she's our daughter. <laughs> Um, did you try to discuss your Christian belief with the people that were shunning you, that were, were turning their backs on you? Did, you? did they offer to let you tell them, or well, was that not? I, I had a friend, and he's still he's a friend, but again, we, I haven't talked to him in years, so I don't know if he's really a friend, but, <laughs> but I, I respect him. I love the guy. And uh, he said, uh, Mike, he said, I, I've heard some things about you and your family and uh, he said uh, uh, is it true that you guys are, have left or are leaving the LDS church 
And I said, yes, um, it, it is true. Uh, I said, I've got some major problems with the doctrine of the LDS church. And then he kind of, you know, said, well, you know, I mean, it, it, it can't be that difficult to figure this out. And I, th I was thinking, I really, at this point, didn't want to get out of really co long conversation with him. Uh, so I said, well, I'm going to see, you know, my mind, I'm, I'm thinking, that. I'm going to see where he really stands. And he says, he just said, well, why did, why did you really leave? And I said, look, I said, I've read Doctrine and Covenants 132, and I do not believe that Christians will practice polygamy. And I do not believe it will, should be practiced now or in the hereafter. And until the church gets rid of that, there's no way I can stay in. And he didn't challenge it. He didn't hmm, question it. Really? I said, you know, Doctrine and Covenants 132, it's in your scriptures. It's still there. And, and Thomas S. Monson hasn't denounced it yet. So, um, and this is before he was prophet, though. Mm -hmm. a and he just said, oh, I understand. And that was the end of the subject and never called in question about it again. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, the fact is when, when we were coming out, we were seeing the biblical Jesus compared to the Mormon Jesus. And that's a huge difference. And you go back and read Doctrine and Covenants 132. It's direct revelation given to Joseph per se mm -hmm. by Jesus Christ. Right. And you read that, and I would encourage people at Family Home Evening to open that up, read it in front of their kids out loud. Every bit, every and verse, say, every we word. We agree with this. Yeah. In fact, it's interesting. We spoke with a person who um, uh, came from the Southwest, visited our home, and they were talking about their state president. And you want to say what, what they they were going to remember what she said that mm -hmm. the state president when they were talking to him about polygamy they said if the prophet came out okay this is a current state pres president I'm not going to tell you what state it's in um, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, she said they were talking about this this came up about polygamy and they said if the prophet said we were to practice polygamy today even though it's against federal law they would do it mm. I mean, well, that could, no question. that could be happening sooner than we what, might yeah, think. The that, way that things could, that, uh, but uh, isn't that interesting? I mean, this is a stake president. Yeah, that is. A current stake president and said if the prophet called for us to practice polygamy, we would, we do, would it. do it. We would do it. And you know, and I've talked about this on the show before, Canada, 50% of a poll done, 50% of Canadian Mormons want polygamy to be reinstated. Mm, that's, wow. a, that's huge. Yeah. So that, they're, maybe they're conditioning them under the table without us realizing right. that's what's going wow. on. But when, when we find the truth of biblical truths of Christianity and we, we turn to walk away like you folks did and your entire family ended up doing, do you, do you find, did you find that people really didn't want to hear what you b were believing? Are they, it, it, was there a fear from them to hear a different viewpoint? And, and did it make it seem like your viewpoint or your belief is less valid, that you are less valuable in, in what you believed in as a person than they and their beliefs are? I didn't even step into conversations with people before we left Utah. I was kind of underground because I was still at BYU and um, I didn't have enough courage at that time to step out and talk about the new God. I was just beginning to have a sense mm -hmm. of how big this new God was yeah. and that he does divide families and that that's okay. You know, that part of 
taking up your cross is doing whatever needs to be done for him and mm -hmm. to speaking the, speak about the God of grace and not be afraid of that. I wasn't there yet. I was still a very baby Christian, mm -hmm. just, just learning things. Now, once I was on the Sean McCraney show, January of 09, which would have been two years after we left Utah, um, that was the first time my BYU students and my BYU colleagues knew that I had left the oh, church. That was wow. kind of a public profession. The next day, the floodgates, just the emails Ooh. and the, you know, stuff well, on that YouTube. Was and that was really hard at first. And immediately, um, a YouTube video went up called The Pride and Fall of Lynn Wilder. <laughs> Don't know where it came from. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was not very positive. And at first, I was really sensitive to all that, and I didn't like it much. Mm -hmm. Now I'm used to it. Yeah, it's part of it. being a Christian. Yeah, yeah. You, you do get used to it. It's kind of hard at first. I, I agree, and there is fear at first. And and that doesn't say that fear always goes away, but God gives us the grace to move on with it. He yeah. does. And tell the truth. What begins to happen as all of those idols that I had before, my children, my family, my job, my home, my callings fell away and God became the most important thing in my life, mm -hmm. then none of that stuff matters. And what people think about you really doesn't matter either. What matters is yeah. your standing with you. And, and when you say none Lord. of that matters, it, it doesn't matter in relation to what they think of you. Of course, they still matter to you. You still love them. But yes. it doesn't matter in relation where your relationship with God is, is the most important relationship yeah. that there is. And it when doesn't you get affect that, your it doesn't affect your salvation. Right. So that's the key thing. Your salvation yeah. is your relationship with Jesus, mm -hmm. and no man can take that away from you. Exactly. So. exactly. But then as a baby Christian, I was so enthusiastic that if anybody would contact me, then I was just, whoom, too overwhelming <laughs> for them, trying to tell them everything at once, yeah, yeah. forgetting that for me it was <laughs> step by step, and you kind of need to feed truth little by little, you know, and use the Holy Spirit to do that. But um, so you know, Over the last few years, we get, and Lynn especially, gets emails from people all the time who are current LDS and the fear that they have, the fear of their family, the fear of the, you know, the relationships that could be their jobs, mm -hmm. their boss is a Mormon, or their, you know, where they live, they, they may be under um, a, a situation of, of a housing complex that's owned by Mormons or whatever the case might be. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it I, Probably weekly, we hear of this where people are afraid to do certain things because it can affect how they interact. Or, or a husband with his wife, he sees it's not true. The wife is very embedded into the LDS church. And if he even thinks, question it, it will threaten him with divorce. I mean, mm -hmm. I had a yeah. guy I talked to not too long ago. I mean, uh, she was ready to split the family up because he wouldn't go back to the temple. Hmm. And that, uh, you know, it, she wanted a worthy man to go to the temple. And he says, I can't. I just can't. I don't believe in it. And, uh, you know, she was counseling with the bishop and everything else about, you know, should he get a divorce? And even when I was in the leadership position, uh, when I served in the bishoprics and the high council, uh, the, um, uh, you know, our counsel would be to, you know, don't let, for example, as a woman, if a man was becoming inactive, then the first scenario would be to um, stay in the church 
if you can keep the marriage together, but if it's a question of pulling you out, you let him go, you get the divorce or whatever the case so might be. So did you be. ever counsel uh, couples to get divorced when you were in that position? Not me personally, uh, because that's that always left there, up to the bishop. But, but we, we, would, we would hear <clears throat> these stories and then we would meet with the bishop and we would talk about these things or we would hear of certain families as having and uh, the bishop would counsel with them. They need to come back and talk with us for you know mm -hmm. additional information that we would get, or they'd bring them into to a, a, a meeting with all of us there to, mm -hmm. to help. Wow. So it, yeah. it was interesting. But uh, we ran into a unique case in Florida. Yeah, two three years ago, a woman came to my house because her temple covenants were waking her up at night and haunting her. She told me they kept. <laughs> chanting in her head over Ooh. and over and she had become Christian and left the Mormon church but that was bothering her and so she someone told her about me and she came to my house this is her her story her husband she and her husband and they have one child were strong in the Mormon church he was called to be the bishop but he wasn't worthy, he was having an affair. So he admitted when the stake president tried to call him to be a bishop, that he was having an affair. The new bishop then told the wife, please divorce him because he'll be excommunicated for, for what he's done. So the wife did, I mean, she was a good Mormon, she obeyed her bishop. She divorced her husband and she and the son stayed in the Mormon church and he kind of went his way. Well, she was really miserable without him. They'd been married a long time and she was miserable. And one day she was so miserable, she picked up the phone. She said she was suicidal. Oh my. And went to call a friend. And she got a wrong number and got a Christian on the other <laughs> end who realized she was in dire straits. God is at work, isn't he? I know. He's so good and he's so personal. So she went over to that person's house and a few hours later surrendered her life to Christ. Wow. Went into counseling with a pastor's wife. Things got better and better for her. She got more solid in her new faith. Her husband is watching these changes in her, her ex-husband now, mm -hmm. and curious about it decides to go in for counseling himself, then he joins the church, and last July they were remarried in a Christian church in front of 500 <laughs> people who were praising what God for reconciliation. <laughs> but the point of all this is, you know, Mormonism is divisive it divides families if that's what helps keep someone in the Mormon in church. The church, right? Whereas the God of the Bible is a reconciler. Mm -hmm. Although there's division often in how people believe in faith, when you come to Christ, he is a reconciler. Well, the thing about about what the Bible says, where Jesus divides people, God has given His testimony. His testimony is in the Bible and the testimony of the truth of mm -hmm. salvation and all that goes along with it. That's what divides people is people who don't want the truth. Mm -hmm. That's why they're divided. If they wanted the truth, there would be no divisions in Jesus. Mm. But Jesus brought, brings people together as well. He does. Think. And he had, to, he eventually healed our 
whole family. Wow. And that, that's one of the great miracles that's told in the book. I mean, there was a yeah. great tearing yeah. away at first. And for a mom who wanted an eternal family, mm -hmm. it was horrible for me. And I was really depressed and face down. And, but what it did was drive me to get to know the new Jesus, uh -huh. which in the end was a good thing. And in the end, it's so amazing when yeah. you discover who the real God is, who yeah. the real Jesus. That amazed me. Yeah. That was one of the amazing things it, for me. One point coming back to this, and uh, it's so interesting in, in the LDS Church because, you know, we're always taught when we're in leadership positions is to pray and get confirmation on who we pick for leadership. You know, uh -huh. like the state presidency comes together, and they will pick a bishop. Now pray about that bishop and say, yes, this is who God wants you to be bishop. You know, the, he's picked you. And it's interesting that God, per se, told the state president in the area where we live to pick a man who is not worthy. Guys, he could have lied. Good point. He could have lied. That's a point, yes. And, and would, could have become bishop uh -huh. and uh, would have never known the difference. But, uh, you know, this guy had enough. Did uh, God know he was having an affair or not? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, now the, the Mormons would say, well, they did that on purpose so he would repent. Well, I, I, don't, I don't believe so. Because, you, I mean, we really believe. When I was in a leadership position, when I, we met with the bishop or we're in a high council or we're doing these meetings and we prayed about things and we came back together and we said, yes, that, that is God's will. You know, that's mm -hmm. exactly what this state presidency would have done. Uh, you think they would have done that, mm -hmm. uh, unless they're looking for the most educated person, uh, maybe a good attorney, maybe a good business person, a person that can keep things together and organize and so forth. Maybe that's the person you want as a bishop, not a spiritual person. I don't know. Yeah, okay? yeah, you don't know. Now, well, I actually have another example of that, because what you've brought up is that maybe that's not coming from the right source. Maybe the answer that those men got isn't coming from the God of the Bible, isn't coming from the real God and Jesus. So I had a good friend who had been faithful in the Mormon church all of her life, and her patriarchal blessing promised her certain things. Mm -hmm. She's almost my age. One of the things she'd been promised was children in this life, but she never married, and now she was past the Child age married. where she could have children mm -hmm. or uh, too old to be allowed to adopt as well. And she one, one day showed me her patriarchal blessing and asked me what I thought about this. She said, I've been faithful and I've done everything that I'm supposed to do and there's no way that this patriarchal blessing can come to pass in my lifetime. In other words, the source of these words has to be suspect. Mm -hmm. They do. Absolutely, they do. And no one knows the future but God alone, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, do you want to share some other experiences of shunning that happened to your family, children? You said that you knew, uh, had some experiences where there were mothers who wouldn't allow their children to play with other children if, if they left the church and so on. Do you have any others that you would like to, to uh, tell our viewers about? Well, let's talk about BYU for a minute. The honor code at BYU says that you have to maintain ecclesiastical clearing in order to enroll for classes even. So our second son, Matt, was a piano performance major and he got all the way to his senior year 
before he found Jesus and gave his life to Christ. Now he either has to lie to the Mormon church and pretend he believes it so that he can do his senior year and graduate, or he'll lose his scholarship and lose the opportunity, lose all of those years, mm -hmm. and Matt chose to walk away. But Micah was in that same predicament. Micah had a scholarship as well. He was a physics major before he left on his mission. He could not come back to BYU. And I was in the same position, of course. Um, confessing that I wanted to leave Mormonism would have meant I'd have lost my ecclesiastical clearing. Uh -huh. My bishop has to sign papers every year that says I'm worthy, that I hold a temple recommend, and that I'm worthy to teach at BYU. So it's probably the only academic institution in the world that I'm aware of where you could lose your job over religion. And who would ever believe that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I, I had seen other professors at BYU oppose the church and then just be drummed out. Um, their names were splashed in the media and through the <coughs> newspapers, and I had a lot of fear of that. Wow. I really thought that would happen to me. Although, when I came to Christ, I did say, Lord, if this needs to be public, you know, give me the stomach for it, and may it be to your glory. But by His grace, we were able to stay underground wow. and leave. Yeah, them. Well, <laughs> yeah. And, and, which is you know so interesting. You know, uh, you know, last year with the elections and everybody talking about well, Mormons are Christians too, yeah. and they're just like us. You know, there's just a little bit different in doctrine. Is that the fact is you know when you join the Mormon Church, you have to accept Joseph Smith as a prophet, and you have to accept the restoration of the gospel. And you could say, well, I like Mormonism. I like the lifestyle. I, you know, not drinking alcohol and all. That's fine with me. I just believe in Jesus. I just want to worship Jesus. Can I still join the Mormon church? Well, you can, but you have to say you accept Joseph Smith and accept the restoration of the mm -hmm. gospel. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. I just want to join. You can't do it. And you can't get a temple recommend the same way. So, the, you know, just their doctrine is putting, you know, Joseph Smith between you and Jesus. Mm -hmm. Just think about that. And, you yeah, know, people don't yeah, realize he's, that. He's a that he, he is standing be between you mm -hmm. and Jesus because you have to accept that. You know, one of the things, uh, you know, mentioning on Temple Recommends, we'll talk about shunning. Uh, you know, uh, Temple Recommend question number seven, it states here, it says, do you support, affiliate with, or agree with any group or individual whose teachings or practices are contrary to or oppose those accepted by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mm -hmm. So a person who's a temple recommend holder, okay, if they befriended us and we would come to their house on a regular basis and so forth, theoretically they could be putting their temple recommend in jeopardy because mm -hmm. they have befriended an apostate group. Uh -huh. So you, you're kind of seeing that the LDS Church does not want people to associate with people who come out of the, the Mormon Church. Why? Because we may ask them questions about their faith and they can't answer. Right. Or they may say, well, you know, um, you seem to be awful happy uh, <laughs> coming out of the LDS Church. 
-hmm. And, you know, uh, and you may be blessed coming out of the LDS Church. You may go bankrupt coming out of the LDS Church. That's not important. That's not You're important. important is your relationship with relationship Jesus Christ. Relationship with God. Okay? Your eternity is you the know, most important the, thing. There, there are Christians all over this world are dying as we speak right. for their faith. Right. It's not that they don't believe. It's just the particular situation they happen to be in. So mm -hmm. we can't look. You know, in Mormonism, that was always the concept. Well, if you're really blessed, you know, mm -hmm. uh, if you're doing the right things, you know, you'll, your, you'll your job. You'll, yeah. you'll, you'll have a good education. Your, your kids will do well. Yeah. You're, you know, they'll go, go to college and they'll go to Harvard and they become mm -hmm. doctors and attorneys and but everything John the else. Baptist had his head lopped off. <laughs> yeah, 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 his life. And when you look at all the apostles, the original apostles. Yeah. I mean, life wasn't great they, for them. They all died okay. a violent death, so, a torturous death. Every one of them did. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's an amazing thing to kind of look back and see. But uh, even when you go to the basic concepts of the church, it all comes back to Joseph Smith. Now, mm -hmm. they say, well, we don't worship Joseph Smith. Then that's fine. Then let me join the church without accepting Joseph Smith, and I'd be darned if I could get through the baptismal well, interview. Well, they have too many mediators. Joseph Smith, of course, is probably the first and the primary mediator, but they have so many mediators to Jesus. They have so many mediators to heaven between you and and, and, of course, the temple is one of them. Celestial marriage for mm -hmm. polygamists certainly is another one. The, going to the bishop and the repentance process and all that is another mediator that is totally... God does not allow mediators except Jesus only. Only Jesus. Right. Right. So... The mediators create fear. Yes, they do. That's the purpose That's of control. them is fear and control, mm -hmm. right? And I didn't realize how fearful I was and how controlled I was. It really did take me steps toward freedom before I realized how in bondage I was to what people thought of me. It's like somebody said, you don't know you're brainwashed when you're brainwashed. You have to step away from it and, and kind of get clear thinking before you know, oh, wait a minute, I was brainwashed. Yeah. And I was, I was asked a, a while back to go down to <coughs> excuse me, a church in Mary, Marysville and speak and, and talk about our ministry. Well, I was down there, we were talking to a family who's gone kind of, kind of somewhat the story of yours, not exactly parallel, but, but kind of. And he was talking about the word fog. That fog is a good way to remember it by that word because that's what they use when, you're, when uh, someone is getting ready to leave the Mormon church. And F stands for fear, O stands for obligation, and G stands for guilt, that they use fear, obligation, and guilt. I was thinking about that, and I added an S to it, fogs, because they add shame to it as well. Right. If you don't come right. under their guidelines mm -hmm. and under their normalcy, what they call normalcy or whatever you might want to call it, they, they apply that to everybody. Who wants to and that happens with the polygamy groups it's no different yeah, in yeah. fact it may be worse yeah. if it can be yeah it, when when you know when we were coming out and uh <coughs> it, it, because we really didn't come out until we got to florida i mean linda said we got to get out of utah i mean when we when we made the decision then it was move out and then we're as we're coming out you know people would communicate with us and we would interact and we would see <coughs> where the uh, this pressure, this, um, these questions. It's amazing how we moved to Utah, we didn't tell anybody, and they found it. I mean, moved to Florida, and they found us. And we would get these emails, and we would mm -hmm. get these Mormon calls, church, yeah. the Mormon church, and, you know, asking yeah. us to come here and there. And you, you would say, well, you don't, you don't want to be uh, uh, involved with it, or, uh, and, but they just keep coming back at you. Uh -huh. But, uh, you know, 
you just get to the point, you just have to say it's, it's a different it's a different gospel. It is a different gospel. And, and uh, Mormons, they, they don't want to hear that. Uh, and again, I love the Mormon people. This is not to bash the Mormon people. They're wonderful people. In fact, they put Christians to shame on a lot of things that they do. Uh, they, they do great works. But you know, the scriptures never tells you that good works will save you. It cannot It's their interpretation you. of it, mm -hmm. but it's, it's not true. And it's your faith that will save you. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. so, Jesus, right. but as you make this transition, it's just amazing uh, of the uh, uh, of what you see when you're coming out, and what Mormons can't see. What, what they can't see, and so what they will do to try to keep latched onto you. Uh, I, I want to cover something else too before <clears throat> we get uh, to the end of the show. Um, when we become a Christian, uh, we read and study the Bible. Um, we attend church regularly. God begins to work in our lives. He begins to change us. And, and we do change. We change a lot of things. We're better people. We're better employees. We're better neighbors. We're better human beings. And, and we praise and worship God. We love Him. Yet our family and our friends say that we're full of the devil. We're doing all these good changes for the better, and they say we're full of the devil. Didn't that happen to Micah? Yeah, um, that, that brings us back to one of the great examples of shunning. Micah merely read the Bible on his mission and realized that the biblical Jesus was not the Mormon Jesus because they teach different ways to salvation. And he made the choice for the biblical Jesus at the very end of his Mormon mission. Mm -hmm. And then he stood and when he had the opportunity to testify of what he'd learned over two years of his mission, he said that he believed that he was saved by Jesus and not by the Mormon church, basically, through faith mm. Um, mm -hmm. in Christ alone. So, by what Jesus did and nothing that he can do. He got called in and reamed out and they called him a devil. And when they put him on a plane and sent him home, we had to take him immediately to the stake president's office. It was a Saturday night late, probably between 9 and 10 yeah. when Goodness. we were there. And that stake president really reamed him out, told him he had the wow. spirit of the devil. And Mike and I were shocked. We'd never encountered anything like that. Although wow. Micah tried to tell us that that's what they were telling him. Yeah. And we just kept saying, no, I'm sure, you know, everything will be fine. <laughs> well, Alma 1 was the section actually that the stake president referred to. I don't know if you want to. It's a section about an antichrist in the Book of Mormon by the name of Nehor. You can no, I, no, that's all I need to oh, say. Okay, okay. <laughs> I didn't know if you want to read it or what. So. No, that's good. Um, well, didn't the Pharisees accuse Jesus of having doing some of his miracles by the power of Satan in Matthew 12? And that's when he, Jesus, uh, said there was only one unforgivable sin, and that was blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Which, of course, Mormons interpret that the opposite direction. We're the ones who have committed the blasphemy and are apostates and are going to hell. Right, but they, well, we're yeah. talking about shunning. We're not talking about this other. Mm -hmm. um, so when this shunning and alienation began with you folks and with your children, um, did that kind of confirm to you that there was something wrong somewhere? Did that, did that sow any seeds of doubt? of the truth of the Mormon church? Yes, 
for me. <laughs> yeah, it, it did. Even though, it again, in, you know, when I was in leadership positions and the bishoprics and so forth, you know, I sat in many, many uh, church courts and I saw people who were, you know, chastised, uh, uh, humbled, uh, uh, excommunicated. Um, and I didn't see it from my eyes because I was looking as this righteous man upon the, these sinners. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, yeah, they should be, you know, they should be uh, excommunicated and they should be humbled and they should try to work their way back. And um, uh, it's, it's, it's sad to think of that because, you know, the, a true Christian, when, when somebody does a sin, you know, Christ is not there beating you down. No. Christ is there putting out a hand to lift you up. Well, Galatians says to restore it. To restore, when somebody falls into sin, restore them gently. Right. That's what right. he says to do. His, right. his, his whole purpose is restoration, right. not penalizing. Yeah. Them. Because, see, in the LDS Church, um, like as, as a, um, uh, a Melchizedek priesthood holder and a high priest, you know, the, my person I'm responsible to is the stake president. So if I do anything wrong, it's not the bishop that's going to judge me. It's going to be going directly to the stake president because of the position. And that's what happened. Then, then it's done at a, at a stake court. Mm -hmm. uh, and so in the LDS church, you know, if you're sitting there as a man, you, you know, who's your high priest? You know, my high priest now yes. is Jesus, Jesus Christ, right. the only high priest. Right. But in the LDS church, it is the stake president. And, and the Bible tells us that Jesus is our advocate. He's our lawyer, so to speak. He's our defender. Right. Mm -hmm. He's not our accuser. Right. He doesn't accuse. Amen. Yes. And, and talking about where they say that, that we have a devil with us, it, and maybe I shouldn't say this, but it just came to my mind. When we receive Jesus, we receive God. Jesus is God. But their Jesus is de the devil's brother. So, you know, there's kind of a, of a fine line there that where these accusations need to be looked at very carefully. Yeah, and that, that brings up in, you know, third Nephi, what is it, third Nephi, verse 29. It says, for verily, verily, I say unto you, he that hath the spirit of contention. Okay, so you question Mormonism. Mm -hmm. You question their doctrine. You know, Mormons, and again, in their innocence, they see any question about their faith as contention. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so it says, the spirit of contention is not of me, but is of the devil. Mm -hmm. So if I sincerely ask a Mormon, do you really accept Doctrine and Covenants 132 as gospel? And, you know, even though they don't, they might think it's terrible, the spirit is telling to them, it says, oh, he's contending with me. His question is of the devil. I need to back off. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's a whole concept. Even when we, when I was a ward mission leader, and again, I would always tell the ward mission of the, uh, uh, well, the people that worked with me, uh, stake missionaries and so forth, uh, and, and, uh, mission, uh, young men, uh, missionaries, you know, don't contend, you know, state the facts. If you get into a Bible bash, you know, just get out of it because it's mm -hmm. contention. And mm -hmm. that's, I really believe that verse. Mm -hmm. But yeah. 
that is another doctrine that's the exact opposite of the Bible. Right. The Bible says, come, let us reason together. This God is a reasoning God. He mm -hmm. wants you to reason it out. And in order to do that, you have to have some hard you conversations have have back and, back forth. and forth. And yeah. that's okay. It's authentic. It's freeing exactly. to be able to do that. It's authentic. I like that word because it is. And then, of course, Jude 3, contend for yeah. the faith once for all given to them. And the word content, the word contentious comes from that word where where mm -hmm. we are, and that means that, of course, not that we're supposed to be contentious as much as it is, we need to stick to it. We need to stick to our faith and bring it to others until they uh, understand it. Right, of course, we're right. supposed to do that patiently. And, and, and a good example of that, would just say, let's take something real simple from a Christian standpoint. Mormons would say that Jesus is a created being, mm -hmm. born of Heavenly parents, a heavenly right. mother and a heavenly uh, father. Where Christians would say, no, he's always been. Right. He's not a created always being. That's a huge difference. Okay? Mm -hmm. And so uh, Christians will say, no, you're wrong. And well, Mormons could say, well, we're wrong. But, uh, but that's, that's, that's contending. That's establishing because if you say that Jesus is a created being, you separate him and he makes him like us because we're created beings. Right. And how contentious was Jesus? Oh. <laughs> he I mean, was you, pretty you contentious, can, you especially can't get very with the far Pharisees. In the Gospels, where he wasn't contending with, the, he always contended with the Pharisees. Yes, he he didn't with the regular people, but he did with the religious leaders. Yeah, he contended the, uh, with them. Right when there's an arrogance of being superior, that you know we're right. We speak for God, mm -hmm. then he um, he would come into play, and and he called him a child of hell. Yeah, he called him the Pharisees, the leaders. But likely the reason that a church would not allow its um, members to contend or have these kind of conversations is they might begin to see conflicts. They might begin to see things that don't fit. That's not the truth with the Bible. So, the Bible stands up to all of this. So um, the bottom scrutiny. line is conform. Because if you're conforming and not questioning, then of course you're not going to be contending. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh my goodness. Well, um, do you have any? We only have a couple of, well, another minute. Um, would you have any very quickly uh, comments that you would like to make to our viewers, maybe who are treating somebody else badly because they're leaving? either a polygamy group or the Mormon church? Boy, I, I will um, say to mothers, if you are outcasting children, you're making a huge mistake. I don't care if they're gay or lesbian. I don't care what their views are. Um, I don't care if they've left the Mormon church. Um, the God of the Bible is a reconciler and not a divider in this way. Um, if someone in Mormonism has asked a husband to leave a wife or a wife okay. to leave a husband, find another point of view. Talk to a Christian. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, love them unconditionally. Well, thanks for coming, folks. Thanks again. Uh, we've Thank used you, up our time. I appreciate you so very much. You know, someone once said that 
dictators are the most ignorant of all people simply because nobody tells them that they're wrong. And it isn't because that they are never wrong. All of us are wrong at some point in our lives. It's because nobody dares to tell them they're wrong. And this is an accurate description of both polygamy groups and the LDS Church. If someone questions their foundational beliefs, they will stop up their ears and they'll plug up their minds and they'll yell anti-Mormon. But you know what? The Bible's anti-Mormon. And I think that's why they this culture rejects biblical authority. No matter no matter how often present day or early uh, Mormon uh, polygamy justifies polygamy, and no matter how emphatic they are they should live it, the Bible says polygamy is wrong and God doesn't change his mind. God isn't pleased when people justify bad doctrine. We don't get to change God's intended meaning of scriptures or we don't get to edit God's word. We don't have the privilege of changing his plan for our eternal life, but that's what the dictatorship of this culture has done. And no member dares to question or check it out or criticize errors. They've succeeded in their intended purpose, dictate to their members and cause them to fear everything else. Proverbs tells us that there is a way that's right to a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. And that describes the religious beliefs of this culture. When you have nudges of doubt, check it out. Those nudges might be God himself trying to get your attention to research the differences between biblical truth and Mormonism's errors. Check out those nudges. They might be from God. And we pray that you will listen to God instead of to people and turn to Jesus alone, forsaking everyone and everything else and turn to Jesus and only him. Thank you. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.